Welcome to Rex's Bible Minute, a weekly video where I talk about Jesus, Christianity, and anything along those lines, really. Um, we are still in our Bible study on Thessalonians, and um, we are getting to chapter 4. Um, and so, as always, I want to make sure we recap where we're at, uh, make sure the train of thought is right, um, because this is a real letter written by real people in a real place in history. Uh, and so, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the city of Thessalonica, still there. Uh, it's in northern Greece today. Um, it was the capital of a region called Macedon or Macedonia. Um, some reason can't remember which one it is right now, but it was a province in Rome, and it was given special privileges, and it was really rich, and it was really powerful. Uh, and Paul came into town and did what Paul does, shook things up, preached the gospel, and got run out of town. And so he wasn't able to be there very long to establish a church, and he fled to Berea, got fun, run out of town, went to Athens, left there, went to Corinth, still could not make his way back. Uh, and so he sent Timothy, one of his students, his disciples, one of the guys he really trusted and poured into, um, and Timothy went and kind of tried to pick up where Paul had left off, and eventually Timothy goes back to Paul, we're assuming in Corinth, and uh, kind of fills him in on what the church is like, what the, what it's been doing, um, how it's been doing, and brings some questions and concerns the people had for Paul. Uh, and so the first three chapters of the letter, which we've already studied, if you missed them, go back and watch those videos, uh, they're dealing with that. Right? They're dealing with basically recapping Paul's thoughts, how proud Paul is of them, um, what some of the things Timothy has said. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically just one long prayer that kind of just meanders in and out of you know, recapping the situation, explaining why he can't come to them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we get to chapter 4, and this is kind of like where Paul picks up where he left off. Right? This is where Paul, um, you know, he kind of starts to answer some of their questions, you know, reading between the lines. He doesn't say, you ask this question, but he, it's kind of like, but concerning this is, is more the tone that he uses, the phrasing he uses. And it, it seems like he's answering their questions a little bit. Um, and so chapter 4 and chapter 5 are really instructional. You know, it goes from being recap and just, you know, admonishing and encouraging to being instructional. Like this is, all right, this is the next step. This is how you continue to live the Christian life. That's That's what this is. Um, and so we're going to be in uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. That's all the further we're going to get. Now, this whole chapter deals with three things uh, concerning living the life a Christian should live. We call that holy living, living in a way that is pleasing to God. Um, and that's, that's essentially what holy is, right? The word holy, uh, saint, sanctification, those are all have the same meaning, that you're being set apart. You know, as Christians, we're called to be holy, set apart as God is holy. So we need to be set apart in a way that is pleasing to God. That's what this means. We need to live our life according to God's standards and, and what God likes and avoid what God dislikes. And so that's what these are. These are kind of Paul communicating in regards to sex, money, and death, God's standards and how to live your life in a way that, that is pleasing to God. Um and so uh, we, last week we talked about sex, um, so if you want to know what Paul said that, read it, and then go back and watch those videos, um, or video per se. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about money, um, and I kind of want to approach it a little differently. You know, there's, you can get into the discussion of money within Christian teaching and it become a, uh, a Dave Ramsey kind of lecture, if you know what I'm talking about, the, the financial freedom, and I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey and what he teaches. 
But that's kind of outside the scope of what Paul is talking about here. Paul is very brief and he he gives us kind of like, here's the core principles, the why, like why money at all? Why do we care? Why should the Christian care? That kind of thing. So we're going to go look at that. We're not going to get into the whole like, should we tithe? Should we not tithe? How much should we be saving? How much should we be giving? Et cetera, et cetera. Like that's for a different time. That's not what Paul addresses here. He addresses the why more so than the what. All right. So let's read it and then we'll get into it. Um, it's starting verse 9, chapter 4. It says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been doing this to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. There's my answer. It's not Macedonia. It's Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your own hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. All right, so we're dealing with money, right? Now, before we get into that, I want to do a little bit of like teach you how to read your Bible, right? Because this is one of those verses, specifically verse 9, is one of those ones that like if you do a Google search and you're looking up something specifically and it's like the Google will tell you this verse says that and you try to like teach somebody that or say, hey, this is what that means and you don't read the rest of the paragraph, you just taught something that Paul never intended it to be taught. Right? You're teaching something wrong. Now, the thing you're teaching in principle would be right, but you know what you're teaching, the verse you're using doesn't support the argument. So what does it mean? If you read verse 9 by itself, it says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. If you read that verse and you stop, you think it's dealing with like, you know, taking care, like, like loving kindness, affection, you know, loving each other, you know, having affection for each other. God told us to do that. And again, you'd be right. And the word there, it's it's kind of hard to translate. The word is Philadelphia. It's when it says brotherly love, I mean, the, the, a proper translation would be brotherly love. Like that's a familial love. Like you love each other as brothers. But if you read the rest of the paragraph... It's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about like affection for each other. He's talking about taking care of each other in a, a physical and spiritual way. Uh, that's why I kind of like the Kingdom New Testament translation where he chose to go this route. He says, now about charitable concern for the whole family. Well, now you're, you're dealing with what Paul is actually talking about. Um, He's, the rest of the verse continues on. It says, I don't really need to write to you because you yourselves have been taught by God to show loving care for one another. All right? So that's that, that's basically what it boils down to is this is talking about, um, you know, taking care, charitable love for each other. It's it's more than just a, an affection. It's, it's it's loving each other. And so what is what is Paul getting at here? Anytime I read things about this, this, this topic, I think of these things sitting behind me. These guitars. Um, and so what I want to do to kind of illustrate you is I want to, I want to share with you some of my guitars. If you don't know me or know me very well, uh, you may not know that I music is a massive part of my life. Like, I'm super passionate about it. I, I love it. I, I play guitar all the time. Um, music has been a major part in my life and, and bringing me to where I am today, right? The reason I'm even at the church I'm currently at is because... Jake, our worship minister, asked me to help him as he did his auditions or whatever you would call them for his position when he was interviewing. So it's like music, just everything has brought in everything. So what I want to do is I want to show you three of my guitars and, and, and to illustrate 
what Paul is talking about, right? So the first guitar is this one. This is a early 2000s Austin Stratocaster copy, right? Um, a real Strat is made by Fender, and you might recognize this guitar. This is probably, in my opinion, the most influential guitar in the world. This, the, the original one, the Fender one. This, this is a Chinese knockoff. This is a copy. Um, honestly, I was surprised that this company's still in business because cheap Chinese knockoff companies like this tend to go out of business pretty quick because they don't make very good stuff. But back in 2000, my parents bought me this. Uh, they spent probably about a hundred bucks on it. Um, it sounds terribly. Uh, it is. It is. It, it, it looks okay. You know, for a hundred dollar guitar, it don't look bad. Um, but it, it's unplayable. Like <laughs> compared to like a good guitar, this guitar is unplayable. The strings buzz. Uh, currently, it's being used uh, for my four year old to learn how to keep rhythm. We're not worried about him playing anything on it, but he's worried about keeping rhythm with it. And for that, it's fine. But if I were to plug it in and play it, you'd be like, "Oh, okay, something's not right there." Um, but this guitar launched me down the path of music, right? This guitar, I remember bringing it over to my friend's house and, you know, us like thinking we were the coolest guys ever because we could play Smoke on the Water, you know, bah, 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 bah. like, like yeah, we thought we were awesome. You know, my first guitar lesson was on this guitar. And by guitar lesson, I mean, my dad said, here's the G chord, C chord and D chord, figure it out. Uh, but like this launched me down the path that, that led me to where I am right now. This $100 cheapo Chinese made guitar. This. All right. The next guitar I want to show you is this one. This is an Epiphone Les Paul from uh, 2006 it looks like. And this, this is probably the second most influential guitar in Western history. Like this, this is, you know, originally they were made by Gibson. They still are made by Gibson. The official ones are. Um, this guitar is stinking heavy. <laughs> it weighs about nine pounds. Um, Gibson owns the company Epiphone, and that's what this is. This is made by Epiphone. It is, again, a Chinese knockoff, but this is a lot nicer knockoff. Uh, back when they were selling the, this, these models exactly, a lot of touring guys who weren't like making, rolling in the dough, which is most of them, a lot of those guys who played Les Pauls would buy these for about four or $500, rip out all the guts, and spend another four or $500 upgrading the pickups, the electronics, having the fret redone. Um, they would basically upgrade everything they could and still have a guitar a third the cost of the American one. So it's not a terrible guitar. As a matter of fact, this guitar has seen a ton of gigs. I played so many shows with this, and I've lent it to other guys who played so many shows with this. Um, but the significance of this guitar for me is this is where I got saved. This is where I found Jesus. I grew up in the church, just to share a little bit of my testimony. I grew up going to church. You know, my parents took me every time the doors were open. And I would say I've always believed in Jesus. But around high school time, I was as far away as you could get. Like, I never stopped believing in him, but I was not saved. I was not a Christian. I would not, I wouldn't, I identified as one back then, but I wouldn't say I was uh, looking back. And, you know, being so heavily involved in music, uh, like I, I worshipped music. I worshipped, you know, these rock stars. I, like they were my idols. I loved them. I worshipped them. I wanted to be them. Uh, and so I used every opportunity I could to get on stage or to play or be involved in music. And so our high school, we did really big productions of musicals every year. And I think that year we were doing Little Shop of Horrors. 
um, the Rick Moranis movie. Um, and the, the score there, that we had a pit, we always had a band come in and play with us. And the guitar player, he had a Fender Strat. And, you know, I love Fender Strats. And he could play. I was like, man, this dude is killing it. He's got to be, he can get me to the next level. Like, I arrogantly and naively thought, like, you know, I'm as good as I can get by myself. I need, I need somebody to show me the next level so I could be even more awesome. Um, and I asked him, I was like, dude, do you give your guitar lessons? And he's like, yeah, I do. I was like, what? I asked him how much. He said, told me. And I said, well, uh, but put me down for one. He said, okay, meet me next Tuesday at this church. And I was like, okay, maybe like the church lets him give guitar lessons there or something, or he plays in the band. Like I wasn't anti-Christian. I just really wasn't one. Um, and so I meet him there and, you know, that $30 guitar lesson or whatever it was, uh, you know, it, it went from a 30 minute lesson to a two hour conversation about Jesus and God. And that's, that's where I, I made a change. You know, I went from just believing in God to like really making Him the King of my life, uh, and it it changed my life dramatically. Um, the bands I was in, I quit. I had to stop hanging around with a lot of people, um, and I started new bands. And I decided I wanted to be a Christian rock star now. Which you know, this was the mid two thousands, so that was wasn't that outlandish of an idea, um, but. Uh, continuing the story a little bit, the, one of the bands I was in, my buddy had a DVD of a band called Disciple, and they recorded their show at, a, at I think it was Cornerstone Festival. Um, and uh, Disciple is a, a heavy metal Christian band. Um, I was really into it. I still really like heavy metal music. But uh, in the middle of their set, in front of all of these like mosh pits and like metal dudes, the singer Kevin came out and he like threw down. I mean, he threw down the gospel, like, in a way that I'd never heard before. Like, it resonated with me in, like, a way no sermon ever had. And it, it was like, I want to do that. Like, I want, I want to play music, and then I want to share Jesus with people, like, those, those people who are like me, who are really far from God, who had long hair, dressed in all black. Like, I want to, I want to do that. And so, like, I, I was, I, I was super motivated to do that with my life, um, not realizing that what I was really discovering was my call to preaching. And so, a few years later, after that, I was in a different group, um, not quite so heavy metal, but we got to open for a Disciple. And so, on the back of this guitar, you'll notice cardboard underneath. Uh, Kevin and the rest of the band had signed; they signed it for me. You know, I got to use this guitar to open for the people that God had used to lead me to my calling. Um, new, if I were to try to sell this guitar right now, it might get 300 bucks. <laughs> it's it's not worth much. It is well used. The closer you look at it, the more scratches and dents and dried blood and everything else you see on it. It is it is a workhorse of a guitar that plays okay, sounds eh, okay. Uh, I don't ever use it. It stays in the case, you know. it's It weighs nine pounds, so it's like stinking heavy. <laughs> but it's just... This guitar, though, has enormous meaning to me and has had enormous influence on my life. Now, I want to show you one more guitar. This guitar looks very similar to the first one. This is a 2021 Fender American-made Stratocaster. Uh, when I graduated college, I basically stopped buying gear. Um, I didn't buy guitar stuff anymore. My stuff basically just stayed the same for 10 years. And through COVID, I got motivated to, you know, it's time for an update. So I, I sold a bunch of stuff and, you know, bought this. Um, and this is like, 
since 2000 this is like what i wanted this is the dream guitar this is this is the same guitar it's an american made that you know if Jimi hendrix were starting out today and he was getting serious about it this is what he'd go by if john mayer was starting out this is what he'd go by john frusciani stevie ray vaughn like this is the level of guitar they would buy it is american made the finish is different those other guitars have uh, poly finishes this is nitrocellulose it's a plant-based finish so the older this gets the cooler it'll look the older those get the worse they'll look um you know, and this guitar is only going to go up in value because it's American-made. The, the levels above this, you get into, like, the, the luxury. You don't really need it because it doesn't make it play any better stuff. And then custom shop or vintage stuff. So, like, the next level up is, like, starts at four grand. Um, and I'm telling you prices for a reason, right? But this this guitar is, is a $1,200 guitar. Like, it's still – it's brand new. It's a 2021. It's a $1,200 guitar. Um, and it plays phenomenally. And it sounds incredible. I'm able to make the sounds that Hendrix and Mayer and Fushani and all these other of my heroes make. Like, I'm able to do that with this. And it plays so well. I mean, it's just like, I get it, you know? Like, when I plugged it in and it's like, it's, I made that sound. Like, I did the riff from um, Dancing in a Burning Room by John Mayer. Like, I did that riff and it was like, oh, whoa. Like, okay, <laughs> you know? Like, that. this and this are not the same thing <laughs> like they may look kind of similar but they ain't the same this guitar is a dream of mine i love it this is a guitar that a professional whether it's studio or on the road this is a guitar they wouldn't hesitate to pick up if they want to play a, a strat now if i were to sell a guitar right now like if i for some reason needed money i would not sell either of these and it's not just because they don't really have a lot of value. Like, if these were worth the same as that, I still wouldn't sell these. I'd sell that. Even though this is my favorite guitar to play. This is my favorite guitar I've ever owned. It's either this one or the one hiding in the back there. But these guitars are, you know, they're really expensive. This one's a $1,200 guitar. That's a $1,600 guitar. Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to explain it to you. But these guitars mean and so much more to me than that one. And... It's largely because these two are gifts, right? My folks spent money to continue me going down a path that they saw was good for me. And God used that. They used these, these were gifts out of love for me that led me to a place where I would come to know Jesus, where I would come to discover a calling, and where eventually I would find my career as as a preacher through these guitars when paul talks about money and he talks about what we're supposed to do with it that's it it's not about just giving people money it's not about just you know oh, you, you need you need 20 bucks here's 20 bucks it's about using our money to be god's hands and feet and sometimes that looks like buying your kid a guitar sometimes that looks like paying for somebody's water bill Sometimes it looks like buying somebody a meal. Sometimes it, it looks like, uh, you know, paying somebody's rent for a month. Sometimes it looks like baking cookies. You know, like sometimes it looks like, uh, you know, just having a conversation with somebody in a way that, that means something. Sometimes it's, it's, it's paying for a guitar lesson. Sometimes it's, 
It's showing somebody how to do something. It's using our resources is about advancing the kingdom. It's about being God's hands and feet in the world around us. And so the church in Thessalonica, Paul says that they were doing a good job of that. They were giving. As a matter of fact, like he had heard that they were giving all the other churches around there, taking care of each other because they were family. All right, he said, you know, the, the Kingdom New Testament translation, again, it says about charitable concern for the whole family, taking care of people's physical needs. He says the Thessalonian church was doing that, and they were doing it really well. But then he urges them to do it more, right? Like if they have the resources to take care of people, take care of Christians, take care of the lost, give, do more, do more of that, increase that. It wasn't like a, you know, you could do more. Like it wasn't a guilt thing. It was a, you see the needs. You guys are gifted at this. You're good at this. Do it more. Continue to give, continue to take care of each other. It's not just send money. It's, it's take care of each other. And we learned a couple things from that. And one, the big one is that possibly the Thessalonian church was either bigger and or wealthier than the other churches right? Then the churches in Philippi or the, the church in Berea, like we, they're, they're giving to them. And it would make sense because Thessalonica was the, mo- the economic center of that region. But they continue to give. And they get, it's important that you understand that you give in a way that matters. Like it, it, it's, it's not necessarily just physical needs, but I mean, physical needs are part of it. You can't look somebody who is starving to death and say, hey, do you know Jesus? And then not give them like food. Like that, that's, that's the pointless. Nobody's going to listen to you if they're, they're suffering and you can do something about it. But inevitably, Paul is talking about taking care of their physical needs and taking care of the family. Inevitably, some people are going to abuse that, right? Some people are going to just be like, okay, well, if like nobody's allowed to, to not have their needs met, you know, if the Christians, if my brothers and sisters are going to take care of me if I have a need, well, inevitably some people are going to make, well, I'm not going to do anything. I ain't going to work. Why would I work? I mean, we're already seeing, the, the, it's implied here that, that probably some people were like, I'm just going to wait on Jesus to come back. So I'm just not going to do anything. And so some people were being lazy and doing nothing. They weren't working. They weren't, they weren't giving. They weren't contributing. They're relying on their wealthy people to take care of them, the people who were selling, the people who had businesses. And that's why Paul says, work with your hands as we instructed. And that doesn't mean that every Christian has to be a carpenter or has to you know, do things with their hands. But back in that day, and honestly still to this day, if you're working with your hands, it's honest work right? Somebody who's out there doing a trade, it's honest work. You are working hard and you're earning your paycheck. That's Paul's point. You know, he's, he's saying that don't, don't, it's not to make yourself rich and wealthy. Like, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, playing, being a stockbroker or something like that, that, you know, you sit back and you, you just, you, you can manipulate things dishonestly. Like, I think that's what he is pointing to. He's, it's not that there's anything wrong with being a stockbroker, but, the point is that, you know, there are positions and ways to make money back then as there are today that, that is dishonest, you know, all the way from like obvious like stealing and thievery uh, to, you know, things that, that are just, you know, underhanded. You know, do honest work and contribute as best you can because Paul would later expand on this when he said that we were to work as though we are working for Jesus, not our bosses, not our slave masters, not our, the, the companies we work for. We're to do our work as though it's for Jesus because that's the proper way 
to live our lives, is to use what we have for the kingdom, for kingdom expansion, and to give gifts that do that, to take care of each other. As Christians, there's no room for any Christian to suffer. Like that's, that's, that's crystal clear, and I think a lot of churches miss that, not pointing any fingers specifically, but you just see that a lot of Christians are suffering, you know, they have needs that aren't met, and they're trying. That's the key part. Paul makes it clear here that it's if you're not trying, if you're not trying to get a job, if you're not trying to work, then you have no excuse. But if you are trying and you're still suffering, there is no reason that your Christian brothers and sisters aren't taking care of you. Like that, that, that's what Paul says. Like it's, it's clear here. It's implied here that we have to take care of each other. That if somebody dies and leaves big bills behind and they're a part of the church, the family should not be suffering through that. We should be taking care of each other. And a lot of churches are really good at that too. Like a lot of churches get this, that, hey, we, we're, we, we're taking care of each other. That's the message from today is that our money, our resources, they're given to us to take care of people and advance God's kingdom. That's what Paul is talking about here. And so he finishes up by saying that we, we should live like this, that outsiders will look in on us and understand us. If you want to know the quality of a religion, look at the people it produces, right? Look at the kind of people that come out of it. Paul is saying that if, you are, if, if you're working hard and you're taking care of each other, nobody can point to that and be like, oh, how dare they take care of widows and orphans, you monsters. Like, you can't point at that and, and, be, like, and be negative. Oh, those people all work really hard and they work, do honest work. Disgusting. Like, you can't. And that's Paul's point. Like, the benefits of living like this is it shows the world who we really are, the kind of Jesus we have. But if you're lazy, if you're mooching, if you're not putting in the work, if you're not trying to make your life better, and I'm not talking about making yourself more comfortable, but you know, expand the kingdom, be it, grow spiritually, grow closer to Jesus. If you're not doing those things, then it makes Jesus look bad. You know, the the Ten Commandments, one of the big ones is don't use the Lord's name in vain. And while there is a, a holiness and reverence for God's name, as a Christian, you bear the name of Christ. And so your actions and the way you live your life and the things you do, they re that's a reflection of Jesus to the world around you. You are representing Jesus. You are using his name in your words and in your actions. And so it's highly important that you get this, that as a Christian, there's no room for just building your barns fuller, to, to borrow Jesus' illustration, to, to making yourself just more and more comfortable and not taking care of brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not to say that wealth is bad. Wealth is not bad. Jesus was friends with wealthy people. But the point of wealth and the things we have and the resources we have and the skills we have and the talents that we have are to be used in the service of God, are to be used to expand the kingdom. And so my challenge to you this week is to do some searching. You know, maybe you, you're not giving at all, like you're not using your financial resources for any reason other than to just buy yourself toys. That's something I've had to be honest with myself about and ditch some guitars, right? Like, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, I want this guitar, I want that guitar, I want, you know, and whatever it is for you. I want this thing, I want that thing, I want to build my collection, I want to, whatever. Maybe you need to be honest and pump the brakes on that and be like, well, maybe I shouldn't be using that money for this and instead should be, you know, here's this need I see in my life or here's this person I know that's suffering that I could help, like... 
do some honest evaluation or maybe like, you know, the, the talents you have in your life. You know, maybe you're really good at, you know, I don't know, like programming or website design and maybe your church needs a website update, you know, like maybe volunteer or see if there's a way you can get involved. Use your talents in a way to serve the kingdom. Use your resources. Use your whatever it is that you have that God has blessed you with to serve, to expand the kingdom, to use what you have as a gift to give. And so that's that's my challenge for you this week. And I think that's Paul's challenge to the church in Thessalonica, to use what you have, even if you are doing something, to do more. Um, and so I hope this week was helpful to you. Hopefully it was enlightening to you. Uh, and as always, we'll see you next week.